On today's Locked On Texan podcast, we dive into the YouTube comments once again. And today, we hear from B. Scott from the B Block Podcast and Sports 610 Radio. But first, Cody, let's start the show off right. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in Locked On Texans listeners and viewers out there. I'm John from Sports Guy Hickman, joined by Cody Davis. We will be joined by Brandon K. Scott today, Saturday. Thank you guys for checking out the Locked On Texan podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we talk to B. Scott, we're going to dive into those YouTube comments. I think this is a good one. Alex Hernandez, the Texans are going to be all right. I still say everything will come together by 2024. Nick Casario is the man. This is on the A Change is Going to Come episode that we did about mm. several days ago. Listen, I think 2024 is a good time. When you look at what Houston had to go through the last couple of years, uh, there is a rebuilding process that has to take place. Now, a lot of people in the national media, and I want you guys to stop going back and forth with national media guys or people that <laughs> do not stay in the Houston area or do not follow the Texans because they're always going to have their perceptions. Case in point, the Texans went to the playoffs a couple of years ago, won a playoff game a couple of years ago, but they are considering the Texans the worst team in the league. However, Detroit, when's the last time they won a playoff game? Uh, the Falcons. There are terrible franchises in the NFL. Do we just get caught up here in Houston with, but you're pissed off Deshaun, or Deshaun has this going on on the outside of the field? That, which is very huge, by the way, right? Like, you can't <laughs> skip that. However, 18, 24 months cannot negate how some of these teams have been bad for decades, right? Like the Browns. But I, w- I want to say that. 2024 is a fair year, I think so, considering the first year had to deal with Deshaun. Um, now, he did make a mistake with hiring David Cully. I think that'll play a part into whether or not I'm he sure gets that was extended. a mistake. It was a huge mistake. He gets extended <laughs> or not. Um, then moving forward, this upcoming year, year two, draft the well, had the high draft picks, traded Deshaun away to the Cleveland Browns. He is now their problem, has multiple first-round picks in the next couple of years. He'll be able to use those to maybe leverage for a new franchise quarterback or continuously building this franchise with players that you keep drafting high. We eventually going to have to pay him, but the salary cap is better now. All of that is going to work out within year two to year three. And then, yeah, you would expect by year four in 2024 to be able to make a playoff run. I think by 2023, we'll see what this offense has to offer right now. Then, yeah, we may be able to do something special. Depending on how development goes, I think the Houston Texans can possibly make a run to the playoffs next year in 2023. However, John, listeners and viewers, 2024 is when I'm truly expecting them to go from, let's say you're fighting for a playoff spot to actually contenders in the league because 2024, that means players like Nico Collins, Davis Mills, um, Derek Stingley, um, Kenyon Green, um, my my guy John Mechie, like all of these guys that we are excited about, they that is the point where they're going to start finding their niche in the NFL. That is going to be the time when they start scratching 
scratching the surface of how good they're actually going to be. So 2024, I truly do believe is going to be the year where we could come on this podcast and say, look, the Houston Texans really got a chance to go deep in the playoffs because all of these guys that we are hoping continue to develop will be towards the peak of their NFL careers at that moment. Absolutely. I also want to add, listen, when we look at a lot of the great teams in the NFL, right, the number one team we're going to have to look at, the New England Patriots. I know you guys probably don't want to hear that on this show, but there is a system that has been set in place for the past 22 years on the field and off the field. You look at some of the teams that has won multiple Super Bowls since 2000. Uh, the Ravens, there's a system on the field, off the field. The Steelers, system on the field, off the field. Uh, I would even go ahead and throw in the, uh, the the Chiefs, who's been to two Super Bowls. There is a system created around Patrick Mahomes now that started with Andy Reid and uh, Alex Smith in those days before Mahomes that was getting built and created on the field and off the field. And it took a while for it to get there, but now we've seen We know that the Chiefs are going to be year in and year out favorites to make a Super Bowl for the New England Patriots, six Super Bowl in 20 years. Like, those things can take time to get there. And, Cody, you are right. By year three and four, which will be next year and then 2024, we should start seeing that system that started last year when Nick Casario came in and had to work through the mud to start creating – we should start seeing that flourish a little bit. Speaking of John Mechie, Nico is a first-round pick, fifth-round pick, excuse me. Mechie is a second-round pick, so expectations are different. I expect uh, Mechie to start, but I expect Collins to be a role player, third or fourth wide receiver if he does better. Great. Mm. I want to say that because shout-out to my man John Crumpler over at the Texan Wire. One of my buddies, a great guy, by the way, puts out great information. Um, he tweeted something today, and he said, well, I think the expectations for John Mechie right now for uh, from a lot of fans are kind of high. And I semi-agree with that, and I'll tell you why. Do I think Mechie would be a number two? Um, well, yeah, I do. I think that once he is healthy and figures out the NFL and figures out how they want to fit him into this system – I predominantly see him working in that slot area, then yeah, he's going to be able to win a lot because that's what he's good at doing. Like he's a perfect slot for this for for the NFL, and he with John with uh, Davis Mills, excuse me. But give him some time to get there. I've seen fans say 800 yards his rookie year, 900 yards his rookie year. John Mechie will have a good year if he goes out there and put up, let's say 450 yards, three touchdowns. I think that's a good year for a player that's a rookie, number one overall, and then he'll still be trying to figure out how to work himself into this offense that is getting created right now in year one with Pep Hamilton. You know, um, in, in terms of John Mechie, I'm not really looking forward to the expectations that I have for him for his rookie season, only due to the fact he's still coming off of ACL tear and he has yet to fully participate in football activities. But John, in terms of the expectations that I have for him moving forward, as in when I take a look at, let's say, 2024, around that time, that is when th- this is the prime example of talking about why the Houston Texans will 
definitely be or should be in consideration of a championship or at least a really good playoff caliber team by 2024. Because around that time, you call him a slot receiver. I say around 2024, John Mitchell would definitely be this team's number one option. And I understand it. I, I get it. He is a little bit smaller than what you would like for your number one receiver to be. But look, at the end of the day, this is a guy who's going to be learning under Brandon Cooks. And these two guys share the same body type. And I'm pretty sure, matter of fact, I don't even have to say pretty sure because I've been told that Mechie has already been with Brandon Cooks learning and seeing how he could become a team's number one option despite his size. So I, I, I'm not going into Mechie's rookie season. With expectations, but I'm just excited to know that the Houston Texans, regardless of who the quarterback is going to be in 2023 or 2024, this is going to be a guy who's definitely going to take the hands as this team's number one wide receiver at some point in the near future. And I'll say this, while we may need to lower our expectations for John Mechie, just alter it a little bit because of he's coming off of an ACL injury that he sustained a few months ago. When we look at Nico Collins, understand that he is a bigger receiver, and the best thing about Nico Collins is his ability to catch the bigger plays. And so another guy that went to Michigan, Braylon Edwards, I am not comparing him to Braylon Edwards. I am, however, comparing the 6'3", 215-pound body style, what Braylon Edwards was able to do in the, in the NFL uh, starting from his rookie year, 16 yards per catch, 14.5 yards per catch. Then his bigger year in, with Cleveland Browns in 2007, where he nearly had uh, 1,300 yards, 16 yards per catch. If we can get Nico Collins to be that big yard per catch player, hover around 12 to 14, then for Houston, that's a plus. It doesn't matter if he has, if he hovers around 550 yards or to 700 yards. That doesn't matter to me. What matters is when the ball is in the air, when the Texans need to go get it, and he's able to go out there and use his strength, which is his speed and his strength and his size. Oh, yeah, he can come down with it. Like, eh, we moving the chains. And for Houston, that's great because you know what Brandon Cooks is going to be able to do? He's your do-it-all receiver. For John Mechie, we are all envisioning him to be able to create holes in the middle of the field and win in those you know zone areas. Now, for you look at Nico, we need for you to go out there and be a big catch, big play type of receiver. Houston gets that. Then, yeah, you look at this offense a little differently. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest odds, the news, and sports developments including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, boxing fights, even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions happening at BetOnline because BetOnline is where the game starts. Welcome back here, Locked On Texans viewers and listeners out there. B. Scott from B. Block, welcome back to the show. You know, we always love having you on and uh, getting your insight for the Houston Texans. Before we dive into the Texans, Astros, uh, NBA draft with the Rockets, OTAs with the Texans. Uh, I saw it. Was it your baby girl's birthday as well? So yeah, yep, my oldest, my oldest, yep. Your oldest, a proud mm -hmm. dad, girl dad. Hey, yep. man, are you not tired? 
Like, like, <laughs> have you gotten a day for yourself that you can just say, I'm sitting back, I'm relaxing, I may drink a cold beer, I may take a shot, whatever, and I don't want nothing to do today. Or you just still out there pushing out grinding at work for the Texas? Not, I was going to say, not really. Uh, not a lot of rest, not a lot of sleep, not a lot of time, man. I, I always say this. I tell everybody this is that there ain't enough hours in the day. Hmm. There's just not enough hours in the day for me to do everything that I would like to do in a particular day, man. But I will say a few days before my daughter's birthday was my own birthday so about a week ago birthday, we i did, did talk. yeah yeah so I, right so i did have my own birthday that was kind of like my day but even that you know when you got kids when you got responsibilities work and everything like that you know at, at this age and at this stage in the life man don't nothing slow down for you you know so you just gotta keep going man and that's how i've been man I, and and it's a good type of busy like I'd much rather this than have no focus, no purpose, no drive, no direction. You know what I mean? Like this kind of like David into... Cully's tenure with the Texans last year. <laughs> right, right. I'd much rather be me than the 2021 day uh fighting David Cully's. So um, so I I'll take I'll take these problems. These are first world problems, what I call them. Oh yeah. So let's dive into the OTAs. You were out there, you had an opportunity to see this newly and revamped Houston Texans and specifically Davis Mills in the offense. Now, Cody came on here last week and said, is it time to pump the brakes <laughs> on the Davis Mills train? Was was he hopping off? Is he staying on? And he kind of got – I'm forever staying on, baby. Uh, but for you what, – well, so what Cody said was he saw inconsistencies. He had an okay day, made some good throws, made some throws that could have been better, made, made some good reads, made some reads that it could have been better. But for you, B. Scott, what was your take on Davis Mills last week? Well, I, I want to be clear that as far as reads go, I, I don't want to overstate it or, or, or speak out of turn. I don't feel like we were watching enough. Like, it wasn't high-level enough type of comp competition and, like, sophisticated enough type of plays where you can really try to even begin to say if he's making the right reads or not, per, per se. But you can tell if a throw is behind the guy or, if, or the timing of a throw, if it's, if it's late. Uh, if the, if it's if he didn't lead a guy uh, like he should have um, or overthrew a guy, so you can tell those sort of things. And the throws were a little bit inconsistent. I'll say that, but that wasn't something that I'm super panicked about. Like you guys know, I'm not the biggest Davis Mills guy, but I'm also somebody that wants to be fair to him. And I didn't feel like there was anything there that I saw, even the stuff that wasn't very good none of it was like super alarming to me for it to be may like like that's the reason why they are there is to get their timing down and to get you know accuracy is not just about ball placement it's about you know the chemistry between the quarterback and the receiver the route that's run and all of that so like they're still figuring all of that out um so it didn't look great but i will say for davis mills to davis mills's credit that i thought he looked a lot more in control and, and in command and sure of himself. I thought there were times last year, particularly in er, early on, but really throughout, where he just looked a little timid and sometimes unsure. And I don't know if that was if that was strictly Davis Mills or if that was had to do with the play calling, the offensive scheme, uh, or maybe a combination of all of those things. But it does seem like he's a lot more comfortable, and whether that's just him being in the system for or being in the pros for another year on top of 
Pep Hamilton's offense being something more similar to what he ran at Stanford and maybe being more comfortable in what they're doing there in that, or maybe a combination of both, right? Um, it did seem like we got a better version of Davis Mills, at least from a from a preseason standpoint. Like, you got to remember, around this time last year, he looked like a fish out of water. <laughs> and, and he did not – I would not say that about him on uh, uh, on the other day when we were at – when we were out there for OTA. So, all in all, I think he looked fine. I think it's still to be determined on what does this offense look like, what does he look like in the offense, does he even have enough weapons to be successful. So, um, I had three things that I was looking out for that I wanted to pay attention to at, at OTAs and – uh, Davis Mills' development was certainly one of them. Um, but, on, on, you know, on, so that was obviously something that I was paying attention to. But on top of that, of course, we were looking at Derek Stingley's uh, uh, health and, and trying to see what his level of participation was going to be since we had gotten that nugget on Sports Radio 610 the day before about him still needing, uh, having work to do to get to being ready for training camp. We were looking for, you know, what does the offensive line configuration look like exactly? Um, because that's a that's a huge question. So those are three of the big things that I was looking for. And Davis Mills being probably chief among them, to me, he looked just fine. He looked all right. Um, and so we'll, we'll see if there's anything beyond that as we go along. B. Scott, I know this is somewhat of a hard question to answer as of right now because, as you mentioned, you saw it as well. Derrick Sinley did not participate in any team activities, um, and the same goes for John Mechie as well. But from what you was able to see from the rest of the rookie class, who are some of the rookies that stood out to you during the first day of voluntary OTAs? Well, I, I will say that so, so Petrie is the one that stands out in these workouts, Jalen mm-hmm. Petrie, the safety, because he goes all out. He only yeah. knows one speed. And so credit to him for being that type of worker. Um, I would say he's the one that stood out at all of the stuff that we've been able to go to so far. But to the point about Stingley, I will say, and this could be semantics, but I did find it interesting that, you know, he did individual drills for the most part, did not participate in team stuff. But he would actually go out there when they were practicing run plays and there was nothing for him to really do or no way yeah. to really challenge him. Just it seemed like so he could be out there. Um, and maybe it was just him wanting to be out there. But I did find that a little bit of interesting, whether that's, again, him wanting to be out there or wanting to give the appearance that, you know, he's not slowed down or that he's not hampered by anything, you know. So uh, so that that part of it did stand out to me. But other than that, as far as rookies go, um, I'll give you two. Then they both on defense. It was, it was, it was Jalen Petrie just just for the effort that he puts in in practice. And then there wasn't like a particular play or thing or moment that he did, but it was my it was my first time actually laying eyes on Thomas uh, on Thomas Booker, mm. the the defensive lineman that they drafted out of Stanford. And his body type was just so much different than what I maybe envisioned it from having seen him on the Zoom when we interviewed him right after the draft or, you know, right after he was selected. Like, I just, for whatever reason in my mind, I had, I viewed him as more of a, maybe a leaner, more muscular type, Um, even though he's a a defensive tackle guy who plays inside. But that's just a big old boy, you know. (laughs) And, And I'm not saying this in like as a bad or a good thing. I'm just, as an observation, he is big. And, um... And, and, and like his, his size just stood out to me. He's somebody who I think could certainly factor into the mix um, on the interior defensive line, you know, depending on how things shake out. You know, Ross Blacklock was out there uh, participating. You know, that's another thing that I'm really going to be intrigued by. Is, mm, it's a okay, big year for him. Isn't it, though? Because think about it. 
think about it, man. Malik Collins is your best interior defensive lineman. He's not at OTAs, okay? Mm-hmm. Then Roy Lopez, you would think, is going to start alongside him. You know, mm-hmm. already kind of supplanted uh, Ross Black like last year. And it, and it seems like he lost some weight, too, as well. So it seems he like did. he's in better shape. It does. It does. So, like, imagine that if that guy's even better. And then, to me, it's going to come down to, like, all right, Ross Blacklock and Thomas Booker. You know, if Thomas Booker can play at all, that's a dude that they just drafted. He's mm-hmm. probably going to be on the team. And, and so then it really just leaves one more spot. You're not going to carry more than four interior defensive linemen on the 53-man roster, right? Hmm. Now, and, 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 of course, if they want, they can stash Thomas Booker on the practice squad just to kind of make, make the most of what they got, right? But, man, I'm looking at it like, all right, man, if, if any of these other cats – you know, if, there, if there's anybody else that that comes in there and impresses them, like he's he's borderline. You know, he's to to me, you know, has could be the the last interior defense, defensive lineman on the depth chart. So, uh, but 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 back to Thomas Booker though, it was just his size that stood out to me. I wasn't expecting him to be built that way. I guess from the highlights that I watched of him online, I just had a, a different view of him physically. So, those are some of the things that stood out. We'll be right back with more B. Scott from the B Block Podcast. We got to talk more Texans, man, because you said something that really piqued my interest. I'm going to bring it up on the other side. Don't go nowhere. Let's have fun on this Saturday morning. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. On top of that, Cody, you know what else is, is, is going crazy right now? inflation so if you can get it cheaper you better do it and you don't have to go through that in pointless conversation seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry you don't have to do that you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket save time and money when using rock auto why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts a chain store has or a car dealership? Well, you can go ahead and save that money. Shop with rockauto.com. Use that for that gas because that's skyrocketed too as well. Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer. Serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, Rock Auto is a family business. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right Locked On Texans in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Welcome back in Locked On Texans listeners and viewers. Thank you for sticking around for today's show on this Saturday. Thank y'all for mm-hmm. rocking out with us on a Saturday. Uh, Big Sky, man, you, what you said was that piqued my interest. Trying to figure out if he even has the weapons to be successful. Something along those lines in reference to Davis Mills and what you were able to see in that week of OTAs. Now, that's funny because we talked about Nico Collins. Talked about Brandon uh, Brandon Cooks and John Mechie whenever we kicked the show off. Looking at those YouTube comments, do you feel as though, you know, because we also got to look at Philip Dorsett, who had a good day, uh, the tight end group. Now you add Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce. Those are, you know, two running backs that 
thank God we don't have what we had last season. Do you feel as though the 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 the, the players that they have out there now is better than what they had last year? I'm sure that's a yes. But can he succeed, or have they done enough, or have they have they shown any flashes, anything to make you say, yeah, Davis Mills is set up nice? Yeah. I think it's it's an open question, honestly. I like it. it. It's something that I'm still, you know, trying to figure out. Something that I'm still monitoring, and can't fully and honestly answer to you until I see a little bit more. But let's just go based off on paper or what we got, or who's there, and what some of these additions are. All right. So obviously, Brandon Cooks is there. Has been there. That's still, but but it's still their number one receiver. I think there's like an argument you can make that. Maybe, like, if he's your number one receiver, maybe your number two receiver should be at least as good as him, right? Because, you know, he's not like he's one of the marquee. Like, he's a really, 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 really good player. But it's not like he's one of the marquee receivers in the game. He is easily and by far and away their number one receiver. That, to me, is still concerning, even though I like Nico Collins. Nico Collins looked pretty good, by the way, uh, just, just physically and uh, – also looked crisp and more polished, um, just at least from what I could tell. It's not again like not like they were running anything sophisticated out there, uh, at least from what we were able to watch. But two two additions that that interested me before the OTA and especially now after watching are Marlon Mack. Well, obviously Damian Damian Pierce being the rookie that they drafted, right? So I mean I feel like that goes mm-hmm. without saying, but. Marlon Mack in particular, after watching OTAs, huge question on, okay, what is the effect going to be from the Achilles injury on his explosiveness and how much you can rely on him as, you know, for whatever role that you want to have him in, right? Looked good. They're out there in T-shirts and shorts, sure. Nobody's really going to tackle him, sure. But when you talk about burst, and and speed like he was the he was the back that stood out to me most the one who, you know where when you when you when you got new players and you're trying to figure out okay who's this guy who's that guy he was the one where immediately you watch him and you and you go look at okay who's number two you go to your you go to your roster sheet and say okay who's number two who is that okay that's marlon mack all right all right cool put a pin in that let's monitor that let's, let's look at that you know just just based off of how he was moving that's all i'm talking about just based off of how he was moving so i like that does that mean that the running game is solved heck no you know <laughs> like not not necessarily right like you still have to see more so but i feel a lot better after laying eyes on marlon mack right i feel a lot better about him after laying eyes on him than i did just throwing his name out there the texan sign marlon mack like that didn't do much for me Seeing him did something for me, okay? Then John Mechie is the other one that I find interesting, okay? Because he's not participating because of the injury, obviously. But, I mean, we all watched him at Alabama. That's not a dude you even got to do a lot of research on if you watch Mm -hmm. college football. I mean, he played on Saturdays in big games. And he's a gamer. Like, he doesn't have any, like, outstanding physical trait other than just being a gamer like he goes out there and you know yards after the catch like he'll bully dudes like and he ain't he ain't really big enough to be talking about he's gonna bully somebody but apparently nobody told him that so um so i'm really intrigued by what he's gonna look like when he actually touches the field or, or I mean, he's on the field but when he actually is doing stuff and um so I, I think that those two additions could be game changers because they didn't have 
a, a viable slot receiver or a consistent slot receiver, right? Um, Danny Amendola would get hurt, and he's obviously old um, last year. The the Anthony um, – am I saying it right? Anthony – Anthony. I always confuse Anthony Miller and, and always say Lamar Miller when I mean Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller last year uh, was a bust. You know, that didn't work out, that trade. So it's like they've been trying to figure out the slot position for a while and hadn't, and I think that could be the answer. Um, the running back position is well documented on this podcast, other shows everywhere. Anybody that talks Texans can tell you how bad this running game is. Marlon Mack, some combination between him, Damian Pierce. And I'm not I'm not as big of a Rex Burkhead hater as a lot of people are, especially on my station. Like, I don't want him to be your lead back or anything. But, like, on the team, serviceable, usable, uh, or useful, I should say, and – like knows what he's doing, can put him out there in pass pro. Like, if that's your best back, it's a problem. But him being a back on your team, I can I can deal with that. You know, especially if he's healthy. So, I, I like some of the pieces that they've done, but I think it's still um I think there's still reason to kind of raise an eyebrow and say, okay, you know, what how is this going to translate? Um, but those are the two players that stand out to me most. The tight end group, because I know you just brought that up. The tight end group, like I like Brevin Jordan. Um, but I, I'm not gonna give y'all a lot of tight end commentary until I re, until they really get on the field last year because yeah. mm. uh, because well, a year ago or, uh, or right around training camp I was talking up Farrell Brown like he was gonna be the next big thing and I <laughs> and I ain't never been so ashamed in my life so disgusting. I'm just gonna stay quiet on that and wait till Very I see disgusting. it okay um, I'm gonna stay quiet on that and wait till I see it you know like Brevin Jordan as you know a pass catching option but it will be interesting to see what how the roles are are mixed up and who who's left standing as the blocking tight end between let's call it you know anthony Alclair, who they brought back and like as a blocking tight end uh pharaoh brown obviously who is a humongous human being at the very least um like he stands out physically amongst the tight ends and uh, uh the uh, Qu- Quatoriano, the rookie that they that they drafted, and Seth Green, I believe they have as well from U of H that they signed undrafted free agent. So we'll see how that goes. Don't have a whole ton of faith in in them as like weapons, like or that's at least not how I would describe them or characterize them, unless you you know view a blocker in you know in some kind of unique way as a weapon, you know because I mean it's important, but like pass catching weapons, I don't I'm not really looking at the tight end group for that yet. Um, they're gonna have to prove it to me, but between Marlon Mack and John Mechie, if they are healthy and look like they did or anything close to like they did before their injuries, then I think that could be a significant upgrade at those respective positions. Brandon, really quick before we get out of here, um, in the last segment we talked about how important this OTA period is going to be for Ross Blacklock. But who else on this roster do you believe this could be their final chance to not only, you know, make the Houston Texans 53-man roster for this season, but actually be a part of this franchise plan moving forward for the long term? That is a really interesting question. And the first the first name that come to mind as I started to think about it, as you were saying, it would, would be Max Sharping. And there are probably more and other names that you could think of. You got to think about it, man. They don't have a draft pick on this team that that's before 2019. You know, like man. I, I mean, it's a it's it's like brand it's like, it's like a brand new squad in every way that you could even imagine or, or characterize it. So um, a lot of these guys are 
you know, either castaways or, you know, on, on, you know, on their second leg anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got some older guys that you just brought in that I think are going to be interesting. You know, um, you know, like the Mario Addison and, and Jerry Hughes of the world who are in, you know, reaching into their mid thirties now and don't have forever to play. Um, so this is going to be sort of a last ditch effort in their careers as well. But w- when I think about guys who, you know, were given, who were drafted and given some leeway or, or given some time to develop and, and just quite frankly, haven't the, the first name that comes to mind is Max Sharp. And like, we don't, we don't project him to be a starter, but could he be? You know, um, do they like him as the oh, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying I'm not saying he, he would or should. I'm just throwing it out there just as far as like, like, how is he thinking about his, himself? Like, put make yourself Max Sharper for a moment. Right. OK. And, and you know what? I, OK, I'm Max Sharp. All right. Go. And you're and you're a second round pick. This is this is cutting time for you. Like and, and maybe and you're probably not going to be a starter. I'm looking at sh- Atlanta as a new place or uh, <laughs> I, I mean, call up. But based off of what, though? Do you have the film that, that would make Atlanta interested in you? Well, you I would a, say you I have, tape? I think, because I don't have that much film and Atlanta doesn't have that much money, I think we can go together and I can get a cheap deal to prove it elsewhere because Houston ain't going to be my home for that much money. No, 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 no. Let me correct you real quick, my man. He's got some film. It's just not um, good. Well, it's not good <laughs> and it, and it, and it, it got good behind. I'll, his, I'll, his rookie I'll, year was solid, but he's declined year, since then. But that was three years ago. Yeah. That was three years ago. And ever since then, he goes out there and, like, the, let, let, let's just be frank about it. You know, and this is not me calling him that because he's an offensive lineman. I'm not. But the, the bill on him is that he's been soft. All right? And, that's again, that's not me calling him soft. That is the prevailing sentiment. And, they, and if they haven't used those exact words publicly through their actions, they told you that, you know, by yanking the dude that was a consistent starter as, as a rookie and just deciding that if not unplayable, he just was not preferable out there. You know, they almost rather have anybody else. Like, think about it like this, man. If Max Sharpen was was living up to the expectation, then they wouldn't have given A.J. Can eight million, 10 million, whatever, whatever it was that they gave him. Right. So that tells you a lot. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610 and the B Block Podcast. Brandon, real quick, why can I listen to follow you at on social media? Holler at me at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter and at B Scott from Hiram Clark on Instagram. Subscribe to the B Block Podcast wherever you get them. Uh, my recommend Spotify and Apple, but wherever you get your podcast, holler at your boy. And uh, yeah, man, social media, all of that. Mm. Brand, at Brandon K. Scott, at B. Scott from Hiram Clark on, on Instagram. Hmm. I need my follow back. If, you may oh, have what? not known on Twitter. So my page. Oh, yeah, he back. knew. He knew. Oh, I yeah, had reached nah, out but, to him that day. Yeah, but but see, I, I ain't know that the new one was real or not. So like, <laughs> the new one is no. real. That's officially me. I need that follow back, bro. I was I was going to say, man, let me let me see. What, what, what's the handles? Because I'll go to you. Because I was going to say, man, this could be somebody trying to. Hacking in and get trade secrets or something. Yeah, they, was, here, man. they was out there. Nah, they was hacking in to act for money. They can kill less about the NFL. But I, I, yeah, I'm back on Twitter at John underscore Hickman twelve. Okay. It's me. No, underscore. Okay, that's where I was missing. You'll you'll right, see I, the random music uh, song selections and everything that I normally post. So wait, wait, wait. And John underscore Hickman twelve. You ain't. Oh, there you go. There you go. Oh, okay. I got you. I got there you. It is. All right, bet, 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 bet. <laughs> And as always, up, y'all. 
And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter like Brandon already did, at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.